Welcome to the Gatecast. Presented by Alan and Mike. Lucy, I'm home. I am not Lucy. Oh, you're right. We'll just upload a computer virus into the mothership. I was going to do my living room like this. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Mobius Part 2, Gatecast episode 189. We've got no Alan this week. We'd recorded Mobius 1 and 2 on the same night. Alan unfortunately got home late from work and uh, he got a bit peckish during the recording of the first episode. So since we've got a couple of guests, we'll wing it just the three of us. I'd like to welcome Scott and Miles from the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Good evening, gents. Hey, Mike. Thanks again for having us. Yeah, thank you so much for having us on. And while we're here, why not play a promo for the Sci-Fi Diner? Come in, relax at the Sci-Fi Diner Spa. Let the cares of the Galactic Empire drift away under the hands of one of our certified massage therapists. Has our favorite Gungan senator been annoying you? Let the fingers of one of our Twilight Slave Girls rub your frustration many parsecs away. Or perhaps you just found out that your father is a Sith Lord. I am the father. Our Wookiee massage therapists specialize in deep tissue massage. Send a holiday transmission to the Sci-Fi Diner Spa to make your appointment. Sci-Fi Diner bears no responsibility should one of our Wookiees decide to go on a rampage and strew your guts from one end of the galaxy to the other due to frustration pent up against Palpatine and what happened on Kashyyyk. I just wish more podcasts would have promos. Oh, I know. I'm with you in that. If anyone has promos and you're listening to this show, send them our way. We will play them. Yeah, you played our promo today on the podcast I listened to. Oh, yeah, that's right. We did. Under the Dome and then his. Okay. And the most recent. You'll hear it mm-hmm. after your track news. Okay. <laughs> Miles doesn't listen to the episode. Don't he? Alan never listens to the episode. <laughs> he loves to talk. He's not interested in everything else that goes along with doing a podcast. No, I always listen to it. Just don't want to see how well it sounds. If we're fortunate enough to get an interview, then I definitely want to hear the interview again. Yeah, the diner is famed for its interviews, most of which you personally get from various conventions you've attended. Some of the more recent ones include uh, Laurie Holden from The Walking Dead, author Robert Greenberg, and Star Trek guru Larry Nemechek. Kevin Sorbo gave a good interview, and of particular interest to our listeners, you also spoke to David Nichol, Tori Higginson, Christopher Heyerdahl, and Robert Picardo. Nothing else than the chats with former Stargate actors is worth having a browse through your back catalogue, or visiting the website at scifidinerpodcast.com or the Facebook group. As you may have noticed, this style of podcast, you know, when you're actually trying to do a kind of a running commentary, you get engrossed in actually what you're watching. Right. Doing this running commentary is not something I've done, so that's cool. Yeah, very cool, though. I like the idea. Mm-hmm. You know, something like riff tracks, you realize the amount of preparations goes into what they produce. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Watching the movie or something a dozen times, writing a script, uh, getting the most humor from every line that you listen to. Okay, then, we'll jump right in. I don't know 321 in Irish or Swedish like Alan normally does. I could probably cut and paste it in. <laughs> I've done it before. <laughs> okay, then, if you're ready. Yep. 
Three, two, one, click. Fade out and fade in. Previously on Stargate SG-1. Got Tilt doing the previously in. Daniel's all up for a time travel adventure to find the ZPM, which was located in Giza. Tilt gets it very, very easily. And things kind of go uh, to pot. Yes. All sort of confluent. Yes. Good time travel stories often do. It went just as Samantha feared. We brought you here because of what had been recorded on the tape inside that camera. I'm part of a team called SG-1, and we have just traveled back in time 5,000 years. Daniel's the first to realize he's got the opportunity to make his life better. He was meant for something more. Jack is great in that boat scene. <laughs> yeah. If anybody should be going, it's us. And we're into the episode proper. Look, the only reason you have this Stargate is because of us. I'm aware of that. I- I'm a linguist. By all accounts, your team may need one. The uh, iconic walkways shot. Round and round in circles, make the base look even bigger than it actually is. Have either one of you ever even fired a weapon of any kind? Unless you count launching a rocket. That normally looks pretty good on your resume. Yep. This is one of the last full episodes we'll get to General Hammond with us. Yeah, Don Davis passed on soon after this. Well, can I ask who is going? Aha. Uh-huh. Nice entrance. Nice reveal. Still the strong, silent type. I don't understand. What made you change your mind? Out to the way, soldier. Here we have Kowalski. Good to see him in this episode again. When did they kill him off? He was killed off. Yeah, Kowalski got him. Yeah, it was like, was that season one? Yeah, like second episode. Yeah, a long time ago. Yeah, we've seen him before in other episodes. Alternate reality, time travel, etc. It's amazing what you can do in a sci-fi program. Oh, it wasn't that long ago. Right, right. No, he really dies in sci-fi. And you knew I couldn't say no if he was involved. Oh, come on, Colonel. You don't owe me anything. Admit it, you gotta be a little curious. Traveling to a different planet, through a wormhole. I know I am. The soldier, right in the background, that is Eamon Mansfield, played by Rob Fournier. He's the armor and stuntman. His resume, arm in uh, TV and movies, exceptionally long. But he's a stuntman by trade. Primarily weapons. Oh, okay. And he's making an appearance on the show, that's good. Yeah. One thing I've always liked about Stargate is that they actually use proper guns. None of the CGI muscle flashes you see nowadays. Yeah, I've always loved the the fight scenes when Stargate crew had machine guns and stuff. It's very realistic looking. In the close-up there, you can see the scar on General Hammond's left cheek. As with all of these characters, you wonder what stories haven't been told. <clears throat> now that's a great little scene by uh, Samantha. You stood her ground, spoke her mind, laid it out logically and reasonably and pretty much secured her and Daniel's place on the upcoming team. I'm pretty sure Jack was impressed as well, and that's an added bonus, the results of which we'll probably see later in the episode. Okay then, Mobius Part 2, Season 8, Episode 20, Season Finale. Almost a series finale, in fact. Episode 189 of the Gatecast. Mobius Part 2 is directed by Peter DeLuise, written by Joseph Melozzi and Paul Mully. The story was created by Joseph and Paul, also Brad Wright and Robert C. Cooper. Had its world premiere in the UK, February the 22nd, 2005. The Australians got it next on March 17th, and the Americans March the 25th. Canada got it June the 15th, France August the 12th, Germany January the 25th, 2006. And just like Mobius Part 1, there were no other episodes from TV shows called Mobius Part 2. You can see the guy in the background wearing the white lab coat just behind Jack. He's currently working on the computers. And in a few seconds, you'll see him in the jumper. 
he is in two places at the same time. It's amazing. It's a twin. Save money on extras. Well, that's what they said in the commentary. Peter DeLuise were telling Gary Jones he only got paid for one day shooting for that, even though he was featured twice on the shot. <laughs> I always have, like how they have wires hanging down the center of these ships. you got to give it to the agents. I mean, uh, when they built something, they built it to last. Not always aesthetically pleasing. Atlantis is beautiful, but uh, mm. the Puddle Jumper is more of a utilitarian vehicle. Yeah. And the Aurora warship is rather... Rather stubby, really, but very, very powerful. What do I do? Sit down. It looks like the interior of this one is a little smaller than the interiors we see in the, uh, the Atlantis versions. Hmm, <sighs> now that's a comfy chair. Now what? You're supposed to have the ability to fly this thing. With your mind. Yes, Jack, with the power of your mind. Your superior intellect. Not quite Firefly, though, is it? I can kill you with my brain. Try not to think about the past. Or the future. Or the Simpsons. Or even Mary Steenburgen. Oh, you still have to let us go with you. Please. Looks like the interior of this one is a little smaller than the interiors we see in the Atlantis versions. Maybe this was to shoot it, just to allow them the more uh, room to shoot. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they had multiple jumpers. Uh, one they used for location work, which was smaller. And the other one they used for studio work, which was slightly bigger. I was going to say, you kind of get lost and you kind of forget that they're different sizes, just get caught up in the story. Yeah. Like Peter Louis says, you know, a lot of time and trouble was made, so you didn't notice there were different sizes. When season nine came, they actually built a jumper full size that they could take on location. Under no circumstances is it to be used to travel through time. Understood? Yes, sir. Never in my life would I have imagined giving that order. <laughs> Honest. I promise, General. Are you absolutely certain about them, Colonel? No, sir. <laughs> Time to retire, I think. Yeah, that's not very tactful, is it? <laughs> at the very least, they should be at the back or in the middle. Yeah, if they were just civilian um, consultants or contractors, yeah. They're the stars, though. I like that they're uniform. This is still good transition from where they start out to where they end as far as their SG uniforms. These are definitely just more military and infantry-like uniforms. Yeah. Oh, by the way, you do have the address to get us back home, correct? Yeah. Good. Dial it up. That line is a great throwback to the very first episode. I mean, the very first uh, Stargate movie. You do the address to get us home, right? That's right. I remember that. I say, the jumper always looked too big for the gate. I give this no more than a 50-50 chance of working. Cheer up, Rodney. According to the tape, it worked for eight years. Never the optimist. You got the feeling that they figured that whoever were piloting the jumper, they'd have to dumb the controls down a bit. And they've got the right music for the job anyway. Well, I'm certainly glad it's not me going through that. Uh... Rodney is uh, saying he's not going to be a part of this, what his real future self will do. Any idea what to expect? Not really. According to the tape, we're going to be demolecularized, transmitted over 2,000 light years through subspace, and then uh, rematerialized on the other side. <laughs> Sounds wonderful, doesn't it, when she <laughs> explains it like that? Yeah. <laughs> Gate ship one, 
You go for launch. Gate ship? Oh, it's a ship that goes to the gate. So. <laughs> a little call back there. Yeah. What? It's a ship that goes to the gate. Gate ship. Well, I thought it was club. This is so <laughs> Rodney, him trying to name stuff. Remember how he was doing that, like in Stargate Atlantis? Right. <laughs> He's naming stuff all the time. Poor Rodney. He actually does look younger there. Essentially, <laughs> they used the old passageway through the gate. You know, yeah. not the new Atlantis one. Now my question is, the, the Puddle Jumper was programmed for the Atlantean Gate. But the Atlantean Gate is different than the Earth Stargate, and yet they're able to use it in both? Yeah. I guess even even with upgraded gates, you still use it with the old gate. Well, if you remember, well, you may or may not, Janus, who built the time travel machine, he went back to Earth when uh, Atlantis was abandoned. So he probably built this jumper and time machine while in uh, the Milky Way. Oh, very true. Good catch. And here we see the last few inches of the ramp coming down. Why? Because it takes so long to come down. Not exactly a tactically advantageous position to exit the jumper. Recon, meaning undetected. Meaning, shut up. Sorry. Just pushes him to the side. <laughs> okay, who's wearing the red shirts? You, you, and you. Come on, move out. Why do we have to park so far away? <laughs> yeah, yep. right, right. Good conflict <laughs> between military and civilians here. Everyone but the main team. Not carrying P90s, of course. They only came in a couple of years into the uh, operation. Yeah, those are the kind of machine guns they were using in the earlier seasons, so those submachine guns, whatever they are. Sierra Leone, Uganda. All right, look, maybe the better question here is why'd you invite me on this dog and pony? Well, let's just say I prefer my gut instinct over yours. Yeah. Like you say, the uniforms, they suit jungle warfare. They're fortunate they didn't uh, go to a desert planet. What's with the... Okay, something's out there. Oops. <laughs> oh, sh Welcome to the future, lads. Those are very efficient stun grenades. Yep. That was it. At times, the Jafar were very efficient warriors. Other times, they were hopeless. They were bumbling idiot times. If you had a machine gun, you pick them off like, you know... That armor isn't very good. The fiends, they took his glasses. That's just not cricket. That's not. I was going to say, Shanks' performance, I mean, as far as playing his alternate version self, I think he's doing a fantastic job. I think he's doing a pretty good job, too. I mean, he hasn't had... I don't think Jack's character is that different. I mean, other than him not knowing stuff, he still has the same type of personality. Mm. He's just a little rough around the edges, isn't it? That's all. You know what? I think the Jaws music would have been very fitting for this scene. Ramping up the tension as the footsteps approach. Does he not look like the puppet from the episode 200? The puppet? Oh, yeah, when they did... I know you're talking about... If you know my name, then you know enough to fear me. <laughs> Daniel can't say anything. I always thought his face looked like a mask. Yeah. <laughs> Hi. Well... Uh, 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 we're, we're from the Tari, um, we call it Earth. You see, we found this tape, um, from the past. You see, apparently we're a part of a team, um, 
Uh, the four of us, not not the two of them. We're called SG One. No, they're not important. You may you may kill them. <laughs> he's a madman. Oh, he's going to say some mission soon. Prime, the the Jafar are supposed to be free, and, and we know that you think that the gold are false gods. Ooh, smash! That wasn't necessary. Speak of such blasphemy again, and I will kill you where you stand. That's Jack. Yeah, he probably approves. <laughs> I've wanted to do that ever since I met him. Got to put up a little show for the boys here. But the fact is, we know the truth. See, it's all on the tape. Uh, you have to see it. It's uh, um, it's it's in a, uh, it's in the camera that um, um, you took from the bag that you took from me. If you bring it to me, I can I can show you how it works, and, and we can charge. We could we could go and see it over at uh, wherever you want to go. I do you like the fact that you bring Apophis back in this episode? Yes, very much so. See, in the first couple of seasons, then he, he dies, he's out of the picture. But this is a good excuse to bring him back. Daniel's very touchy-feely. Jack likes that, but <laughs> Jack's totally into the touchy-feely side of Daniel. That's why I pushed him away. <laughs> That's right. You saw the books they were selling at Shore Leave. They don't, yeah. Go there. <laughs> There's a whole fanfic section on that. Mm-hmm. I can imagine. <laughs> is that the same one they used in the um, Children of the Gods? Looks like it was. Who are you? Name's Daniel Jackson. Uh, if you give me back my eyeglasses, I could actually see... He claims he's of the Tari. You aren't supposed to tell him that. The Tari have no chapai. Oh, sorry, I guess I was wrong. I'm, I'm sure your information is correct. And in fact, I'm usually quite wrong, quite unreliable, actually. I, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm insane. Speak! I wish in this scene they would use that little pointy device that he would, like, stick into him and make light come out of his mouth. Bring him. <laughs> Apophis is played by Peter Williams He appeared in 20 episodes of Stargate SG-1 And the reason he's wearing the unusual hat Is that he refused to cut his afro for one scene <laughs> When he was a regular, he had no problem But in recent years, he, he's, he's sporting a big afro He's very active on Twitter at the moment Under actually Apophis him and Cliff Simon, well worth following if you're a fan. I follow Cliff Simon. Yeah. I don't know if I do. I should. We, we met him a couple of years at, at, at Shore Leave. Fantastic guy. If you're at a con, oh, yeah. he's there. you got to make a point to you know, get your picture taken with him. Yeah, he was in an episode of NCIS last season. Always nice to see somebody from Stargate on telly in a different show. Our timeline is different from the one in which Tilt came to believe that the Gould were false gods. Are you saying this guy might not turn? <laughs> Oops. Kind of taking a gamble here. And you're telling me this now? I actually had Chris Judge tell me I should slow down. I had devoured five seasons in three months. That's right. I remember that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he said, you can slow down. Another fan favorite at a con, if, you, if Chris Judge is there. He's fantastic. Andy Makita actually shot this footage for Peter DeLuise. Leave us. He's not threatening him. He's just very matter-of-fact. There's nothing campy or cheesy about this apophis. You will tell me all that you know. No, with the exception of the costume, he, he's not as over the top. Tilt does have his doubt, and uh, as before when he first met SG-1. We see Tilk going to visit the prisoners. And would you please take this a bit more seriously, Jack? going on 
No, not that, Jack. It could be a bomb, of course, couldn't it? He's being very trusting here. Yeah. Um, Tilke should say something. So, obviously, even though it's been years since the events of Children of Gods would have taken place, he still he still wants to see the Jaffa free. False god that he is, Apophis, is long dead. The new medicine, Tritonin, has liberated us from our dependence upon symbiotes. The Jaffa have risen up as brothers and sisters and defeated the Goa'uld. What trickery is this? It's not a trick. You have a son, Ryak, who is now married and a strong leader among the newly formed Jaffa nation. Well, last time they uh, tried to sway Hulk by a video footage, he ended up trying to nuke Cheyenne Mountain in that alternate reality. That's right. Yeah. Of course, nuking uh, his wife and child on Chulak probably didn't help much. No, they should have waited. <laughs> you have to help us. The reason we came here was to get you so we could go back in time and fix things. That's not true. We just want to get out of here. Now, if you can help us, we'll do our best to help you. I cannot free you. What about our weapons? Our bests? Can you guess those? It's a great question, isn't it? You know, you've got another life somewhere which may or may not be better. Do you sacrifice what you've got now for that? Or just the hope? That is a great question. And this two-part episode really plays with that. Well, you, yeah. you even have to kind of give up your life so your future self can have this better life because right. you're not going to enjoy that good life. I mean, that's why I like what this Stargate episode does is there are real consequences to messing with the timeline. Sorry. Yeah, for a dungeon, that is a little too neat. It is kind of clean. I mean, we often joke how flat the tunnels are, caves are in Star Trek. How'd you... Teok, he brought us the camera. I showed him the tape. I don't think he can be trusted. Hey, he gave us our weapons back. That's a good start. He's going to meet us on the way back to the ship. Safety off, point and shoot. Not at me. I don't really like guns. Neither do I. How do you feel about explosives? Those I like a little better. Cover. Jack's not coddling him. <laughs> I like this exchange between Jack and Samantha. How do you feel about explosions? Oh, I like those better. Ah, <laughs> uh, the C4. I love when they bring the C4 out. <laughs> MacGyver wouldn't need a C4, I'm just saying. That was nice, zooming in on the C4. Nice little sequence that was. Now, do you trust him or not? I was shocked when I saw this. At oh, first. yeah. I didn't see this coming at all. No. What's surprising is Quality or any of the others didn't open up on him straight away. Yeah, they didn't just kill him outright. Well, it was just a civilian. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> he doesn't count. Why'd you do that? He was a go-out. Apophis implanted him with a symbiote in order to gain access to the knowledge in his mind. How do you know? I could sense it. Your friend did not give in to torture. He's lying. Why would he lie, Kowalski? If he wanted us all dead, why aren't we surrounded by Jafar right now? We will be in a few seconds if we don't get the hell out of here now. And I'm not taking him with us. Apophis has ordered a fleet of Hatak vessels to the Tarei. He's sending ships to Earth? The symbiote implanted within Daniel Jackson was a spy intended to accompany you. Stargate, you kill off your main characters and until they'll come back. Right. Peter in the commentary said he was asked at the convention what was going to happen in the finale, and he said, they're all going to die. Twice. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I 
That was Michael Shanks with all the squibs on his body. Oh, the glowing eyes. Yeah, pity about the airman. He's dead. <laughs> he won't be the first. It's not the first time Daniel died. Won't be allowed. <laughs> If this was a western, we'd be circling the wagons by now and hoping for the cavalry. Go, go! I say, this is where Stargate excels. Look at that, that is beautiful. They spent oh, yeah. some extra money on this episode. Yeah. You know, ray guns, phasers, they're all well and good, but... One red shirt, then. <laughs> yeah, conventional weapons, there's just no substitute for them. Another red shirt. Wolski, vaguely red shirt. <laughs> oh, got him. Kowalski's been hit! Go! Oh, there he goes. Twice. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, that is a little Jaffa, isn't he? <laughs> a little short for a Jaffa. <laughs> yeah. Tough little ship. Yeah, no backwash. Now, this next scene I thought was pretty cool. What, with the uh, fighters, Polyon? Um, coming after it. Yeah. Are you injured? No. I've just never seen anyone killed before. Daniel Kowalski? New experience for Sam, really, you know. She's never been in the military. <laughs> Flesh wound. <laughs> <laughs> Not dead yet. Getting better. Yeah, this is a good scene, too. I thought what they do here is an improvement. Yeah. How can we get away? You could go to full throttle and go vertical. It's a pity I didn't figure out they got weapons. Or maybe it hasn't got It isn't armed, who knows? I can't shake him either. The gates will be well guarded. And they haven't figured out they have a cloak yet either. You know something? I don't think we're going to make it to the gate. No. So. <laughs> there is a way out. Was there a Stargate on this planet 5,000 years ago? I believe so. This is really exceptionally good music by Joel Goldsmith. Upbeat, rising, something's going to happen. The edge of your seat, you're gonna get out of this. This is beautiful here, the transition yeah. from time travel. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. I think you did it. What has he done? I think we just traveled back in time. Check it out, dial Earth. Their actions here, they have to. If they don't do this, then Earth's going to be invaded by uh, Apophis. So, did the uh, puddle jumper leap from the back of the uh, Stargate? If you assume the camera's looking at the front, yes. Wasn't this one of the arguments about uh, first contact? Why didn't the boar go back in time in another area of space, then creep up on Earth when it was undefended? Well, no ships on our tail. But I think we'll skedaddle anyway. You saying you're on board with trying to fix the past? Well, we did kind of screw up our timeline, didn't we? Well, the only way to stop the invasion on Earth is to make sure that it never happens. Yeah. Remind me how we do that again. Explain that, Jack. Little words, please. Ah, nice. Damage. It looks like the full jumper's been through the war. All right. Here's the plan. We make contact with the locals. 
<laughs> That's a plan. And then? That's all I got so far. That's what we said last time. Uh, any idea what time it is exactly? Three o'clock. Oh, sorry, I, I kind of meant what year. Well, you and Daniel said there was some kind of a failed rebellion. In 2995 BC. BC? Colonel. Kidding. And call me Jack, will you? <laughs> oh, isn't that sweet? Looking at Sam Walk, it was described as a bra too tight. <laughs> You're right, she's definitely walking different. It's all right, folks, we come in peace, nothing to be afraid of. Similar shot to when we first meet these people. Hello. The young boy, Sinai Nashafi. He was in Caprica, Moorville, and the Dead Zone. Colonel Carter and Tilk. How'd you know? Please come with me. Raz patrols come through here often. They must not see you, especially you. Please come. Amazing. Wasn't expecting this. <laughs> nice transition from a location shot to a studio shot. Oh, really? Yeah, that was good. This guy must be a, a crazy experience. You know, he's seen these people get killed and now he sees them back. How do you know who we are? This is not the first time we have met. You knew the other SG-1 team. Five years ago, you came. You were witness to the death of my brother at the hands of Ra. After you were trapped here, we planned an uprising together. Well, that makes sense. What we'll go see next. Ra is still here. We have seen his ship. Our first attempt at gathering forces for the rebellion did not go well. We had to expose ourselves to those who proved still loyal to Ra. You were captured and executed long before the plan could be finished. Really? What else were SG-1 going to do? They were stuck 5,000 years in the past, 3,000 BC, and they knew where rebellion was coming, so why not uh, kind of encourage it? Yeah, but that uh, didn't work out so well. That uh, puzzled expressions all round. Well, this can't be a good sign. <laughs> Understatement of the year. Where am I? Ancient Egypt? No, I mean the me from your timeline. I killed you. Matter of fact, <laughs> you. I killed you. You're a old spy. A good reason. I'm not really bothered about my alternate self being dead. I'm alive, that's all that matters. Excellent question. You don't know. Well, I thought I did there for a while, and then I realized I didn't. <laughs> well, I know why I'm here. Good. Let's start there. We came back in time to get a ZPM. Right. It was buried with the tape. Why is it so important? I think you were about to explain it, but the, uh, the, the batteries on the camera ran out. Yeah, it was useful to have a spare battery pack. Yeah, you should always bring your spare battery for traveling. Tricky. What do you pack on a time travel mission? Basically, we got trapped here because you didn't want to affect the timeline. <laughs> your fault. But ultimately, you and you couldn't stand the idea of living out the rest of your lives under Ra's rule without doing anything. Remember, there was a rebellion here on Earth. That's how the gate got buried in the first place. So we figured what difference does it make if we're involved or not. As you said, no fishing. Drive a man crazy. We heard. Yes, we tried to do too much too fast. Since then, Katep and I have been slowly building up an underground movement. I can only assume things don't go well, because if you're here, you saw the tape, and the future still needs fixing. Something like that. Oh, we didn't just see the tape. We saw the tablet. What tablet? Oh, oh, the one you haven't written yet. And 
put where the Stargate was supposed to be buried. Supposed to be? In our timeline, the rebellion that you planned actually works. Uh, Ra ends up leaving and Earth is freed, but uh, Ra takes the Stargate with him. One rebellion so far and, and it failed. Yep. Yes. Of course, the beauty of time travel is that when everything works out, perhaps there were two rebellions anyway. They never really heard about the first one. Sure. I mean, it's 5,000 years. They wouldn't get a complete picture of what happened. <laughs> we didn't see that coming. No, that is a problem. Good for me. So you're here to make sure Ra doesn't take this Stargate. In the original movie where they find the gate, it's awesome. When they raise it up for the first yeah. time, you see it's just like... Oh. So you wonder how many hours went into just the right place for the sun to be. In here. <laughs> you don't know where we'll be. Nice little layer of sand, so if anybody walks on it, they don't hear the floorboards. Ra must be paranoid, because why send uh, a patrol into this encampment? Like we said, there's they've had one rebellion, so I guess they have to be a little more vigilant. Ah, uh, look at them, the big thugs. In 5,000 years, you're gonna be dead. What will you say to that? Of course, you'll be dead. I love the wraparound shot of that mask, where they kind of just circle around it. Yeah, they don't look very practical, but they would be intimidating. <laughs> oh, look what we got here. This is what we got from the last rebellion anyway. So you have a cache of uh, staff weapons. Which even Sarah Connor would be proud to own. Oh, and look, SG-1's desert camouflage gear. Sweet. You would have thought if you added up all the energy contained in all the weapons that a simple scan from orbit would detect it. Maybe they just aren't looking for it. Well, if I was a Gould who was paranoid, I would probably scan the planet every now and again. It seemed Gould, are, they're geniuses in one way, but they're inept in other ways, and this, would have, this is one way they're definitely inept. How many troops? Uh, a couple of thousand, but that's not really the issue. According to you, my own account of history says we win the revolt. We just need to make sure that the gate stays here and gets buried. Which means we have to steal it and hide it from Ra. But it's on the open, close to his ship. Holding such a position against the hot talk would be virtually impossible. Even for a short bit of time. Also, the gate is kind of heavy. We also have a ship. Yes, but you see the ship fits in the gate, not the other way around. There has to be a way that we can cable the gate to the ship. Fly it out. Yeah, but we still got to get close to it without being detected. Well, that's easy. The ship has a cloaking device. <laughs> it does. <laughs> that would have been nice to know yesterday. You're telling me this now? I was sure I mentioned it on the tape. I didn't tell you. No, I meant to. I must have written it on the back of my script. We may yet have a chance. We'll need to test the cloak. We took an awful lot of damage coming out of Chulak. Because we didn't know about the damn cloak. I was sure I mentioned it on the tape. <laughs> Jack can be whiny at times yeah. That's just part of his charm Now, anybody that's seen Atlantis recently Does that not look like seen from Brotherhood? Yes, it does You ever wonder what your life's going to be like in the future? Again, that's a funny way to walk Yeah, she's like, her undergarments look like they're too tight or something <laughs> I mean, I've led such a small and unimportant existence I can't ever imagine being a hero who saves the planet Well, we do have a time machine we could go check it out. No way. We have already screwed up enough. Once we're done with the gate, we need to destroy the ship. Seriously? Absolutely. If you were on asphalt or concrete, fair enough, but on loosely packed sand, you can see Jack, you know, pretty much trudging through it. It's your steps, that's what it is, combined with the clenched uh, arms. That's not the one that looks clenched. <laughs> no, yeah. 
Surprisingly, Peter DeLuise didn't go for a different angle. He described his own job as the director responsible for explosions and girls in bikinis. That sounds like a dream job. <laughs> um, try thinking invisible. Okay. <laughs> I wish Sam's uniform was invisible. Nope, not working. How do we know if it's working? How can you tell this? Yeah, go outside <laughs> and look to see if it's invisible. Looking quite solid to me. Nope! <laughs> Old school battle plans on papyrus. Your strategy is good. You can tell just by him. But it does not work well as a distraction in our plan to steal the chopper eye. Dibs on being the boot. If we alter it, we may fail. With this plan, the uprising succeeds and Ra leaves. And Ra takes the chopper eye. If we are to be successful in keeping Ra from taking the chopper eye, we must focus the efforts of the rebellion on distracting him from it. I guess they didn't have the budget for it, but I mean, in 5,000 years, Jaffa weapons and armor have not changed uh, too much. Hey, if it works, why change it? Yeah, they were probably successful. Yeah, I mean, I guess if it's broke, don't fix it. It's one of them strange notions, you know, system lords will battle against system lords and basically by throwing masses of men into one huge battle, old school fighting that, you know, the British and the French used to do with enthusiasm in the old days. Not very good for the infantryman, but uh, it seemed it works. What? It's just a little weird hearing that kind of stuff come out of someone so... So what? Hot. Now, this is what fans have wanted to see for years. Yeah. They play with it every so often. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> just you, you're not the kind of guy that I usually attract. Okay. <laughs> no? No. <laughs> God. Wow. This is kind of awkward. Yeah, it's getting there. I, I'm kind of attracted to Daniel. I like Jess. Thousands of shippy hearts are broken. What? Jack can't quite believe it. He's incredulous. Yeah, for me, action man. Okay, I've got a few years on me, but I've still got grippy hands. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. No, no problem there. I, it's just, you know, first impressions, I kind of thought he was... Well, that's almost a limp-wristed gesture, isn't it, Jack? Never mind. Funnily enough, if you look at the big picture, Daniel's done okay for himself over the years. Even if you don't count his marriage to Sharae. Trouble. Here comes the uh, Jaffa. At least they're not clanking. The hand, I think, probably cushions their approach. Carter. How's it going in there? I think I'm almost there. That's good. We're about to have some company. Yeah, so work faster. Nothing like uh, pressure. Now that C4 would have been useful to have right about now. Yeah. Too bad they didn't bring grenades. Got a patrol on its way here. You can always use grenades. The back in the studio, uh, that was a rear projection shot of the sun dune. Nothing's happening. Hey guys, we got a little problem here. Carter, forget it. I'm just going to take off. There really should be an indicator. Cloak is on. Yeah. You Cloak would... on? Cloak off. You would think. Die. Now 
that's not working. Oh, boy. This is a classic. They'll be there in five, four, three, two, one. Nope, still five. No, still five. Five, five, five. <laughs> they don't seem to be getting much closer. They are taking their time. <laughs> they are. Those last few yards. <laughs> hey, Jaffe dudes, follow the footprint. They lead the way. They're following footprints. No wonder they know they're there. Ah. See, there's footprints ahead of them. Yeah. Apparently. Well, and now there's the ship. This is one scene Peter was very disappointed with. Why is that? Because of the limitations of the different sized jumpers. Jaffa had to be filmed both on location and then green screened onto the jumper in the studio. That's why it doesn't look so good. Yeah, I, I think it's probably the, the smaller version of the jumper. But it, it still looks pretty good. They make it work. By their standards, they were disappointed with it. Oh, sure. If they penetrate the hull and hit the engines, the energy blast could feed back into the power... Carter! We could explode! Not quite the cool, calm delivery as in Firefly. But Mal wasn't getting shot at. We're almost there! They are distracted, at least. <laughs> Come on, guys. Do something quickly. Sooner or later, the staff weapons are going to get through the bomb. Well, this doesn't look good. Indeed. Famous indeed line. <laughs> this whole thing started because Sam didn't want to take the jumper back from a Jaffa patrol. <sighs> look, we don't make it. Oh, yes. <laughs> Wait a minute. Such you like Daniel. I like. I just wanted to get to know you better. See, usually I'm a very cautious person and I tend to think things... I don't want to die a virgin. No. <laughs> and the classic line, right? Yeah. Gonna end. I always remember that from Independence Day. Or caution to the wind. Raw is not a god. You can live free. Or die hard. Now that's confidence there from Tilk. I don't think he bought it. Well, they don't know he's a Shova. Relinquish your weapons and surrender. Caltech Trey, Lo Tanak. Yeah, I thought you'd say that. Zotek! They should recognize his emblem and shoot him on sight. That's true. <laughs> They'll go for it. <laughs> the Jaffa Commander is played by Benjamin Easterday, a Canadian actor. Still yeah. reminiscent of the original Stargate movie. Nice and even, even the music, same music when they yeah. come up there in the end. Mm -hmm. If they would have ended the series on this episode, it would have bookended it nicely just because of some of these throwbacks. Right. And they only had 20 extras as well. Marvels of modern technology. Oh, look, look pretty good. Looks like it's a good crowd scene there. Sam Jack, it's all clear. You can come out now. <laughs> in a minute. No, don't ask any questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That really is a wonderful composite shot of the jumper, the sand dunes, and all the rebels. <laughs> okay, then. That's pretty suggestive. I can fix that. Yeah, I'm sure you can. <laughs> uh, Jack, you should say something. Uh, college football is played on Saturdays, pro on Sundays, and there are no fish in my pond at, at all where I fish. Back at the SGC, listening to the tape that's been found in the canopic jar. Half the audience are going, huh? Is that correct? If it is, we don't do anything? Apparently nothing we did affected the timeline. But we didn't do anything. Not yet. Apparently we were going to. Two weeks from now, but now we don't have to. Okay. Excellent. That's it. I like it. <laughs> Time travel gives you a headache. This one will. Yep. I'll take it. 
There's a whole room full of geeks up there just dying to get their hands on this. You've got packing to do. Let's go home. That was a productive day. We did nothing and saved the world. The pond. With no fish, remember. No fish. This is great. I told you. I can't believe we didn't do it years ago. Yes, well, let's not dwell. There's no fish in my pond that I fish. And that's the cabin at Pemberton Avenue in Vancouver. <laughs> Didn't that tape say there were no fish in your pond? Oh, there is no fish in the pond, huh? Close enough. A nod to Simpsons when Homer went time travelling. And you wouldn't believe what they had to do to get that fish to jump on cue. And the same pan out that we saw in Threads. Shanks, he has a camo shirt on. A camo coat on. <laughs> that actually looks a very nice little piece of the country. It does. Oh, yeah. Who wouldn't want to be there? That's a great finale episode, in my opinion. It would serve as a series finale very easily. Yeah, I would agree. Oh, I'm just saying we were fortunate we got two more. <laughs> yeah, we are. A lot of people had trouble with it. There was a lot of changes in season nine. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, too many, too fast. Starscape, Fargate, <laughs> whatever you're going to call it. No, it was great. But, you know, those changes, even though it took a little bit to get used to, I enjoyed the, the upcoming two seasons. Oh, yeah, yeah. A bit more action-orientated. They went even more for laughs, even, even though they didn't have Richard Dean Anderson around very much. I certainly would rather have two more seasons of SG-1 than no SG at all. Oh, yeah. Lance was going on as well. I'm certainly not going to knock the producers or the studios from wanting more. No, absolutely. No, as a fan, I enjoyed, you know, seasons 9 and 10, and, you know... It was a shame to lose Jack in seasons 9 and 10. He was just a guest star at that point, but sometimes you got to shake things up a little bit. and People want to move on. Mm-hmm. Chris Judge actually liked that there was things shooken up for him. It was, he thought, throughout the series, contributed to longevity of the bit. Well, it makes it interesting for the actors, too. Yeah. Well, a simple thing, Tilt getting here, changed his character's dynamic. Oh, yeah. You know, it's something very simple like that, yet it allowed other stories to be told. You didn't always have to wear a hat even though it was rather funny and the types of hat he used to wear. The last comment from the commentary, Gary Jones and Peter DeLuise, who did the commentary for both Mobius 1 and 2. The retrieval of the ZPM allows SG-1 to cross over with SGA. Very happy about that. More opportunities for work, they said. If fans really like you know, Mobius 1 and 2, they ought to check out the Stargate novel, Mobius Squared. They do a follow-up with that from after the events of Stargate Continuum. I won't say much more than that, but let's just say they, you have both versions of, of SG-1 working together. Oh, nice. I haven't read that one yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not difficult to read these days. Even, you know, download it onto your Kindle or your other e-book reader, and away you go. And you said that's Mobius Squared? Mobius Squared, yeah. That's the novel of the sequel, I guess you can call it, of this. As time travel stories, I think this is one, I mean, as far as for Stargate, one of the best, but I think in sci-fi, it's one of the best. It really shows what happens when you screw with the timeline. Just just a great opportunities of storytelling the heroes of your show. I mean, you can kill them off, you can bring them back, you can have alternate versions of them, do it again. You know, it's wonderful. The beauty of it is that it's nice and complicated, but it all makes sense in the end. No, I thought this was done done right and done well. Yeah, or the uh, the easy cop-out as of uh, Terra Nova by saying, oh, it's a different timeline altogether. Nothing we do affects the future. Probably makes writing easier. Star Trek did that. I mean, now the new Star Trek movies are, they can rebuke the franchise and 
still show respect to what's gone on before is do the alternate timeline sort of thing. Well, every time you watch, you know, either of the two movies, you know, you've always got to remind yourself they can pretty much do anything they want. It's a different timeline. Something happens, you go, no, that's not right. And then you've got to remind yourself, but it could be. <laughs> right. I like the way Stargate did it with these two episodes is if you, you know, you squash the wrong bug, you can mess things up. <laughs> and somehow your pond that never had fish... Um... Has fish. Has fish, yeah. Yeah, kind of the whole story summed up by one little fish. Come try ya! Okay then, folks, that was Mobius Part 2. Next week, we are going over to the Pegasus Galaxy, The Siege Part 1. Technically a three-parter. Two episodes wrap up Atlantis Season 1, and the third part begins Season 2. Taylor, I'm hearing gunfire. What's your status? Taylor, do you hear me? the status of those hive ships ASAP. They're coming. That's their status. Tomorrow, the day after, the day after that, eventually they'll get here. Whether we're here to greet them or not is another matter. You can't. They have to. All we have to do is hold out until the Daedalus gets here. The Wraith. They are in Atlantis. Attention, this is Weir. All personnel to the gay room for immediate evacuation. I believe Jeff will be joining us for that, so I hope you can join us as well. Jack? Daniel? Are you you? Yeah, you. What? I like the yellow ones. Never mind. Time for some birthdays and a little feedback. In the upcoming week, we have a few notable birthdays, beginning with William Atherton, who played Emissary Varta in the SG-1 episode Collateral Damage. He will be celebrating on the 30th of July. On the 31st, the wonderful Christina Cox has her birthday. Christina has guest starred in three episodes of Stargate. First was as Takeya in the SG-1 episode Spirits, and then Lieutenant Kershaw in The Sentinel. She moved on to Atlantis to command an SG team as Major Anne Teldy in the excellent episode Whispers. On the 1st of August, we can join Jason Momoa in celebrating his birth. Jason, of course, was Ronan in Atlantis, and also starred in Game of Thrones and the recent Conan movie. And we can also remember the late, great Dom DeLuise, who was born on this day, father of the DeLuise brothers, who made Stargate a home away from home. On the feedback front, we received an email from a long-term listener, Stephen from Omskirk, who says, after a brief hiatus, he's caught up with the show again, and wanted to thank us. It's always a pleasure to hear from some of the guys and girls who were with us way back when, and yes, when it's positive praise, that's just icing. Right then, on the Facebook group, Feedback for last week's episode, Mobius Part 1, from Brad. I think this is the first time I've been home to get a show. Downloading now. A couple of hours later, got episode. Another good time travel story from Brad Wright. Seeing alternate characters was fun, and it was good to see Ra and hear his music cue again. Although the puddle jumper should have been damaged, drained of power. And Rodney's back, annoying Carter. Can't wait for the next week's conclusion. Miles posted... To me, this is not only one of the best time travel stories in Stargate, but also in sci-fi. We get to see the consequences of screwing with the timeline played out. Possibility of multiple versions of yourself. This one has a lot of rewatchability for me. Brad replied, Almost always the dangers and possibilities of interfering with the timeline is discussed or threatened, but very rarely the writers actually do it. If the time jumper was explained a little more, this episode will be up there with Back to the Future. Thomas replied, One of my favourite lines from Sam. Just because my reproductive organs are on the inside? Gah, who would say that? 
I think she did it in episode one. I replied, yes, that line was discussed when the pilot was re-edited and re-released. It always makes interesting reading. Brad finished off, and that was a good line from Carter. Brad also started a thread about the Gatecast episode 106, Menace. I'll bring up the big problem with this episode first off, as I know it's on everybody's mind. If the replicators destroyed this world, then why are they nowhere else in the Milky Way? I have a thought, and one little addition to the map painting would have fixed it. If there was a shot of an Asgard totem at the gate lying on its side, we could have got a throwaway line from Daniel stating this must be an Asgard protected planet. Which means when the replicators took over, the Asgard came to investigate, managing to kill all the bugs, but not after a couple were brought onto the ship for study. As we know, that happened when the Asgard first encountered the replicators. That way the replicators spread in the Asgard home galaxy, and the remaining survivors could have travelled to one of the other protected planets. Now that little gripe is over, I really like this episode, and is the best replicator origin story we get in the series. Yes, there's more. The actress playing Reese really captured the immature and unrational robot well. Michael Shanks gets to stretch his acting chops a little more, and we get some real great lines from Jack. And I agree with Mike, where's the robot blood? It was stated in the beginning of the episode Reese had a pulse. An episode I regularly rewatch, and a great addition to the Gatecast library. Check it out. I replied it had potential for driving a wedge between them, but the civilian and military aspects were always hovering over them. Fortunately, something else cropped up to make the issue moot. And Brad replied, indeed. That was the feedback for this week. Many thanks to everyone who took the time to share their thoughts, even now to simply liking, retweeting, or plus oneing on the various social media platforms. And our contact details are upcoming. But for now, why not visit Scott and Miles at the Sci-Fi Diner podcast? which can be found at scifidinerpodcast.com or simply Google them. Scott can also be found on Twitter at scifidiner and Miles at Son of Wolf. So follow them, say hello and enjoy the news, interviews, competitions and features their show has to offer. If you do want to get in touch with us, then here's how. You can email us, including an audio message, using gatecastpodcast at gmail.com and we have groups and pages on both Facebook and Google+. You can search for us using generic Stargate or more specifically Gatecast. We are also on iTunes and Stitcher Internet Radio under Gatecast. And we simply swoon when we get an iTunes rating and review. They help the show get promotion on that service. Twitter seems to be popular. And you can find us at the Gatecast, which is one word. And finally, there is our main website, gatecast.co.uk, which has a variety of contact and links for keeping our Stargate family all together. Come try a huge thank you to Miles and Scott for joining me on the podcast, Sans Alan. I don't think I'd have been doing this episode on my own. <laughs> thank you for having us. Yeah, Seriously. Mike, it, it's been a blast. I had a lot of fun. Okay then, folks. Hope you join us next week. Until then, take care. I've been Mike. This is Miles. And this is Scott. Bye-bye, everybody. See you next week. You've been listening to The Gatecast, hosted by Alan and Mike. Join us at gatecast.co.uk. Stargate forever. Stargate forever.